Well, good morning. Finally, I get around to good morning. Welcome to New Hope Chapel Sunday morning praise and worship service. I welcome those of you online. I always point like this because I assume they're out there someplace. I have no idea. You know, I'm looking for the day that we can all gather together, together in this house of worship. It's coming. The title of my sermon this morning is Suffering Tribulations. My text is 1 Peter 3, verses 13 to 17. I'm using the NIV this morning. Walk with me as I walk through Psalm 1914, looking for an anointing. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? You know, today is going to be somewhat of of an unusual message, because I'm going to admit up front that this message probably doesn't apply to most of us, most of the time. And then that raises the question, why would I bother preaching it? Because I believe that this message should apply to more of us. You know, there are two things that are true about all of us. On the one hand, all of us at some time or another suffer for some reason. We break a leg, we we lose a job, we flunk a test, we blow an interview, we miss an appointment, bounce a check, get a speeding ticket. Things happen to all of us. On the other hand, I think we can do a lot of things to avoid suffering. You know, we pay our bills, we buckle up, we watch where we walk. We prepare for the interview, we study for the exam, but in spite of our best efforts, we still suffer. And there is another kind of suffering that many of us don't experience very often. For those of us who are Christ followers, if we were more devoted Christ followers, if we walked the walk rather than just talked the talk, we would suffer much more not because of what we do to ourselves, but because of what others would do to us. You know, there are two ways that you can suffer, fairly and unfairly. Sometimes we suffer because we get what we deserve. Sometimes we suffer because we get what we don't. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. We are in a sermon that I'm calling Suffering Tribulations. We are acknowledging some things are definitely true that are not necessarily positive. For example, there are times that you will get the short end of the stick. And life is not fair, but what some may mean for evil, God means for good. Now, compared to God, we're all sinners, and and none of us are worthy of God his grace, his goodness. But God has chosen to give us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life free of charge through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I know that there are times when we really don't know what to do. We don't know which decision to make and we don't know which path to take. But if God is your Father, he will guide you, direct you, and order your steps. Now, we're going to be dealing this morning with a situation that we don't know very much about. We should. 
But millions of followers of Jesus across around the world, they know a great deal about it. In our text, Peter, one of the 12 disciples, is writing to a group of Christians who are under severe persecution. They are not lawbreakers. They are law-abiding citizens. They're not troublemakers. They're peacemakers. They don't hate anybody. They love everybody. But it does seem as though nice guys finish last. And interestingly interesting enough, they're living their life like I think most of us really would like to live ours. So beginning with our first verse, 1 Peter 3.13, it states, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? This is really a rhetorical question. Generally speaking, if you try to do good things and be a good person, people will treat you in a good way. And so, if you stay true to God, you stay out of trouble. Isn't that the way it works out? If you watch the speed limit, you don't generally get a ticket. If you pay your debts, you don't get into financial difficulty. If you pay your taxes, the IRS will not audit you. If you watch your diet and exercise, you will generally be healthier than other people. Most of us, I think, really try to live good lives, be good people, because we want life to be a good experience. But I think some of you here can attest that life doesn't always work out that way. See, some of you are sitting here thinking, let me tell you my story. Somebody took something from me that doesn't belong to them, and I can't get it back. Or someone said something about me that wasn't true, and it cost me my job. Or I did everything right, and it all turned out wrong for me. Now, I don't doubt that many of you may think you have a reason to be bitter because you did get the short end of the stick and you were treated unfairly. But I think that if you live long enough, everybody is going to be able to blame somebody for something. What you're going to see today is that God can use the bad things in life to take you from being good to being great. Think about it this way. What we're going to see today is the way I would like you to view this sermon. When you are treated good for doing good, that's fairness. When you are treated badly for doing bad, that's justice. Frankly, we all think generally that most of those two things are good. When things are fair, that's good. When things are bad, just that's good. Now, when you are treated badly for doing good, that's a blessing. That is not just good, that is great. I'm sure you didn't expect that I would be saying that. But that is exactly what Peter tells us. In our next verse, 1 Peter 3.14, it states, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. You know, Peter was actually repeating something he heard Jesus say back in the day. Do you remember Matthew 5, 10 to 12, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
anybody can accept good when they do good. That is fair. We can even accept bad when we do bad. That is just. But the question is, can you accept bad when you do good? How do you take the burden of being unfairly treated, unjustly persecuted, and turn it into a blessing and go, that goes from good to great? Well, you're going to need to learn that today. And if you don't, then you'll need to learn to do it for tomorrow. Peter tells us how to do that. So first in your outline, consider to keep your confidence complete. You know, you dotted the I's, you crossed the T's, you went by the book, you did the right thing, took the high road, you love Jesus, you live right, but you still get kicked in the teeth. You turned in all your receipts, lost your job while the guy that pads his expense account still has his. You were faithful to your spouse, but your spouse was not faithful to you. Yet you are the one that took the financial hit. You stood up for what was right, spoke up for what was right, and now you are taking the heat for it. Well, Peter tells us again, 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. There's that little word, but. Yes, people are going to do bad things to you even when you do good things to them. People are going to say bad things about you even when you say good things about them. Your face is going to run into somebody's bad fist sometimes, but you are blessed. How in the world can suffering for doing what is right be a blessing? Well, I want you to skip down to verse 17 in our text. And it states, For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. See, there's one thing you can always know that when you are suffering unjustly, there is something you can always know when bad is being done to you even though you were doing what was good. And that is you can know that you are in the center of God's will for your life. And you've got to ask yourself this question. Do you believe that the God who loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you so he could forgive you and give you eternal life, that that God always wants and wills what is best for you? If you believe that, then you also have to believe that the most blessed place for you in your life is in the center of the will of God. You know, one thing you can always know in those difficult situations and in the most unfair and unjust times you find yourselves in, you can know that you are living out your life in the will of God. Now, I'm going to share with you a principle right now and if you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to remember this. And that is, what you suffer is not important to God. Why you suffer is important to God. And if you are suffering not for doing evil, but for doing good, you are not only in the will of God in your life, but you are just like Jesus because the ultimate example of suffering evil for doing good is the cross. Remember that. Since we are in the suffering neighborhood, 
If you are suffering bad things for good things, God hasn't turned his back on you. Do you know what he's doing? He's disciplining you. And when you suffer bad things for doing good things, he hasn't turned his back on you either. He's, he's developing you and he's growing you and into something that he wants you to be. That is why when somebody is suing you unfairly or slandering you or even threatening you, you don't have to fear their threats and you don't have to be afraid because the only thing that can touch you is what the will of God allows. And it doesn't come about just by willpower. Here's what you have to do. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Well, the word revere means to set apart, to separate or to put in a place all by itself. In other words, the first thing you've got to do when you are in a situation like this is you've got to make your heart into a one-room house. And you've got to fill it up with Jesus. The way you turn your fear into faith is to change your focus. When you are being persecuted and mistreated unfairly, if you look at what somebody is doing to you, you will have fear. But if you, by faith, are looking at who is living inside of you, you will take courage. That is why we are being told that we've got to set him aside as Lord. Why? Why Lord? Because as Lord, he is in absolute, complete control of everything that is going on in your life. Fear is when you come to believe that others are in control. Faith is when you realize that Jesus is always in control. Do you remember this news story of Egyptian Christians on the beach being beheaded by, for their faith by Isis? On a winter, warm winter morning in early February 2015, 20 Egyptian Christians were lined up on a Libyan beach in orange jumpsuits. They were about to be beheaded, not for doing wrong, but for doing right, not for hating anybody, but for loving Jesus. And as the video was shown by Isis, a caption rolled across the screen, people of the cross, followers of the hostile Christian Egyptian church. And moments later, as we know, as they took the knives to the throats of those Egyptian Christians, the amazing thing about the video was complete calm. No outbursts. No cries. Instead, to a man, they gazed up to heaven, and these were their final words. Yerabai Esu. Translated, my Lord Jesus. How could they act that way? How could they die that way? They kept their confidence complete. And to the very end, they acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, in your outline, keep your convictions constant. Here's another reason why when you are in a bad situation for doing what is good, you are actually in a blessed position. 1 Peter 3.15 continues, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This is why you need to count it as a blessing. 
When people try to hurt you for doing what is right, God has given you a platform to be a witness. God is showing you the way to shine light into darkness. God is giving you the opportunity to show how Jesus can make an eternal difference in your lives. Because when you keep your head, when everybody else is losing theirs, when you don't lose heart but you gain heart, when you don't react with bitterness and complaining but you respond with joy and love, when you act 180 degrees differently from the way they expect you to act or the way the world acts, you're going to get somebody's attention. They will ask, how do you do it? How do you keep your joy? What keeps you on your feet? Why aren't you angry and bitter? Why don't you fight back? Listen, you will only be asked those questions if you are acting differently from what the world expects. Every chance you get, you need to be ready. You need to be prepared to give an answer to those questions. And the word answer in our text comes from the Greek word apologia. And you can figure out that we get the word apology from that. It literally means defense. It means to defend not only what you believe, but why you believe it. Count it a blessing when you get the opportunity to share your faith, not because of things going good, but because they're not. Not because you're being disciplined for what is wrong, but you are being developed for doing what is right. Listen, prosperity doesn't give you that opportunity. Adversity does. Pleasure doesn't give you that, uh, that platform. Pain does. To paraphrase something that a politician recently said, don't waste the bad times, the crises in your life. You know, so many times bad things happen to us because God is wanting to use those times to give us a platform to share Jesus with someone who otherwise might never listen. That is why it is so important when you are suffering, not for doing wrong, but for doing what is right. You don't suffer silently, you don't suffer defiantly, but you suffer reliantly on Jesus who is wanting you to bear witness for him. That is what we are to give a reason for. What is the other reason? Well, it is the hope that we have. And what is that hope? It is the hope that of a resurrected Lord in the hope that, that there is a Lord of the universe that's in control of our lives and that he will always guide us, tell us where we need to go, and he will always guard us to make sure we get there. He will always give us what we need and give it to us when we need to have it. And what matters is not where you are in your life. What matters is where is Jesus in your life. And if you've got Jesus, you've got hope. You see... The world's hope is different from our hope. Do you know what the difference is from our hope? Our hope is not found here, nor is it found now. The world's hope is here. The world puts its hope in money, power, success, medicine, science. But it will never know enough, never spend enough, or have enough to solve all of its problems. The world's hope is now, because for the world... Now is all there is. Our hope isn't here, but in the there and the then. You know, there's nothing we hold in our hands. Our hope is in the God who holds us in his hands. Listen, you must, you must have a conviction 
That because Jesus is risen from the dead, there is always hope in every situation. There is victory always in every doorstep of defeat. And there is life, even in death. Third, in your outline, consider to keep your conduct clean. You know, when people are trying to knock you down, you be ready to stand up. When people are trying to shut you down, you be ready to speak up. But here is how you do it. 1 Peter 3.15 continues, But do this with gentleness and respect. Whenever we defend our Christian faith, whenever we stand for our convictions, whenever we speak the truth, we should always do it in love, humility, gentleness, kindness, and graciousness. We are to defend without being defensive. Well, let me tell you something that God had to teach me as I dealt with skeptics, atheists, people who despise Christianity, who hate the Bible and think we are all just a bunch of hypocrites and lunatics. I used to think that it was my job to win the argument. But I finally realized you can win the battle and lose the war. Our job is not to win the argument. Our job is to win the hearts. And no matter how much we may be disrespected, we must never be disrespectful. No matter how much we are ridiculed, we must never ridicule. We must take other people seriously, even if they're not taking us seriously. Listen, I have never seen anyone belittled or bullied into the kingdom of God. One thing that we must do when we are in the worst of situations is to act our best. We must keep our conduct clean. And one thing to always remember is when people look, they will always look at how you act far before they will listen to what you say. And it may take you a long time to earn a hearing from someone that you are trying to bring to Jesus, but you can lose that opportunity in a second. I will stand for what I believe, and I will speak out what I believe as strongly as I possibly can, but I will do so with velvet gloves. Lastly, fourth, in your odd line, consider to keep your conscience clear. Listen to how Peter closes this. 1 Peter 3.16 and 17 states, Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. If you have a clear conscience that what you've done is right, and if you have a clear conscience that what you've acted is right, if you have a clear conscience that you have been treating others right who are treating you wrong, you can trust that God will take care of them. You don't have to put them to shame. You don't have to put them in their place. God will do that. You know, God will do that and other people will see the way you are responding to the way you are being unfairly treated. They will see that. Here's the point. It is better to be right with God and wrong with the world. 
It is, I didn't think I said that right, it is better to be right with God than wrong with God and right with the world. What is even worse, it is to be, is to be wrong with the world and wrong with God. Well, here's the one thing you can always say with absolute, complete confidence and conviction and knowing that it is true and knowing that it is right. Whenever you are being harmed from doing good, you can always say in prayer, Lord, you are in control of the situation. Even when others are not doing what is right, you will. Even when life is not fair, you are faithful. Say that, pray that, and believe that. And when you do that, you have gone from being good to being great. Amen.